the children up through age eight. If you'd like to go to children's church, you're welcome to stay with your family, of course. And let's hope. If I were to take my cell phone out right now and say, Folk, I've got the President of the United States on the phone right now, and he's called, he has a message he would like to give to our congregation this morning. How many of you would be interested in hearing it? The rest of you are Democrats, aren't you? (laughs) How many of you still believe the Bible to be the Word of God? Do you believe that God might have something in here that could help you this morning? Amen. Amen. We get used to coming to church, don't we? Open your Bibles to John chapter 12. And for just a few minutes, let's see if, well, we did. I'm sure God can speak to our hearts if we'll just listen and allow him to do that. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Well, here we are again at another Palm Sunday, as the calendar calls it. And entering in, I thought this week, uh, we say that man has been on earth approximately 6,000 years. Some say up to 8,000, so six, seven, eight thousand years. In a way, that sounds like a long time, but in a way, it's not long at all. And you multiply that six or 7,000 years by 52 weeks each year, and that comes out to uh, somewhere around 360-some thousand weeks of, of time in all of human history. And out of those 300, let's just say 365,000 uh, uh, weeks, I think you would agree with me that the most important week in all of past human history was the week that we celebrate this coming week, and that was Jesus' final week here on earth nearly 2,000 years ago, which led up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Amen? And, of course, that week began on a Sunday as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And we call it Palm Sunday because of the palm branches and so forth. And uh, we read about it in the Gospel of John. All four Gospels tell about it, but John says in John chapter 12, beginning with verse 12, John 12, 12, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast. Now, when I think of a feast, I think of eating. Don't you? But now this is not talking just about a meal. It's talking about a religious festivity. It's the yearly Passover in Jerusalem. And the Jewish people for many, many years, except when they were in captivity, all this was the highlight of the year as far as religious gatherings were concerned with the Jewish people. And so on the next day, much people that were come to the feast or the festivity when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, which is a quote, by the way, from Psalm 118 here. They're quoting the scripture, actually, which has to do with a Savior and salvation. Hallelujah to our Deliverer. Blessed is the King of Israel, verse 13, that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. And these things understood not, or fully understood not, his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, 
Then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause people also met him for that they had heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how we prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Father, I pray today that you would allow the Holy Spirit to give us freedom and liberty. And I just pray, God, that you'd help us all now for the next few minutes to look at your word and allow the Holy Spirit to help us today. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We call this, and I have in my Bible, right above verse 12, are the words, the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry of, in Jesus, of Jesus into Jerusalem. And we could today spend a few minutes maybe listing, maybe saying some reasons why we think this was a triumphal entry. But one I can give you is it was a triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem because it was a timely entrance. And by that I mean it was on God's timetable. God's always on time, amen? As a matter of fact, later in that week, in verse 20, uh, in verse 20 uh, let's see, verse, uh, uh, look down in Jesus' teaching, and in verse, uh, uh, he mentions my hours come. Uh, look at verse 27. Now, verse 27, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, save me from this time. But for this cause came I into this world. And so Jesus is right on time. In verse 23, he said, uh, Jesus answered them saying, The hour or the time is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Jesus went in Jerusalem that day right on time, according to God's timetable. And by the way, that's why it was triumphal. Now you'll notice in those verses we read that the Apostle John said that he went into Jerusalem on a donkey just as it was written of him. Now the Apostle John is quoting from an Old Testament scripture. Now this is amazing. Here I am today reading a section of the Word of God out of the Gospel of John. And John is actually quoting out of an Old Testament book, Zechariah 9.9. And by the way, I wish we had time to go back. If you, now, John didn't quote the whole verse, but it says that your righteous, saving king will come lowly. Lowly. That's a good word, isn't it? Riding in Jerusalem on a donkey and so forth. And then the people, here John's, God's using John to put the Bible, the Gospel of John together. He's quoting from an Old Testament prophet and the people are, are quoting a psalm out of Psalm 118. It, don't you, aren't you thankful for the Word of God? And they're right on time, right on time. As a matter of fact, turn back with me just a moment to the Gospel of Luke, which comes just before the Gospel of John. And look at chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. And this is important as we enter this Easter week because now here we are 2,000 years later 
still, still celebrating what happened that first Easter week, as we would call it. And you know what? Do we believe that God's still on time? Amen. He's still on time, isn't he? <laughs> just as he was in the Apostle John's day, just as he was in Zechariah's day. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 31. Then Jesus took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Luke 18, verse 31. Then Jesus took him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on and they shall scourge him and put him to death and the third day he shall rise again. And they, the twelve, understood none of these things and this saying was hid from them neither knew they the things that were spoken. Now we could go to Luke 22. Go back with me to the Gospel of John chapter 12 for lack of time. We could go to Luke 22, 37, Luke 24, 44. We could go to John chapter 19 while Jesus is hanging on the cross. Even while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he said, all things that were written about me are accomplished. Now what he was saying there was, Everything that was said and written about Jesus concerning his first coming was fulfilled to the detail. Amen? And everything that was written about his second coming will also be fulfilled to the detail. Amen? And everything that was written in between. Everything. Now, I don't know about you, but that comforts my heart today to know that God's still on time and everything that he's written about you and me as true believers is going to come to fruition too, amen? Every promise that God's ever made. That's the God we serve. It's all right on time, right on time. Now, I want you to see something with me here in John chapter 12 because John, we go back 2,000 years, and John's writing about things that were actually taking place that week in his life. He's looking back. It's all happened now. The Holy Spirit's using him. He's writing his gospel. And he's talking about things that happened during that week. I have no idea what's going to happen in my life and your life this coming week. But I know we serve the same God John served. Amen. And I want you to notice, and, and it's difficult. I've often tried to, and I've taken harmonies of the gospel and take Matthew's account and Mark's account and Luke's account and John's account, and you try to put it all together, you know, and you try to figure out, now, what happened on Sunday and what happened on Monday and what happened on Tuesday? And what, and but we can't even agree on which day Jesus was crucified. The common belief is he was crucified on Friday. Some believe he was crucified on Thursday, and some believe he was crucified on Wednesday. But the most important thing is he was crucified, amen, for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again, amen. So it's, it's just hard to chronologically put everything on what day it happened, but it all happened within that week. And during that week, Jesus did a lot of teaching, and I want you to see something that John tells us there in the Gospel of John chapter 12, beginning with verse 37. John 12, verse 37. 
But though he, John 12, 37, but though Jesus had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah, now, believe it or not, John's going to quote another Old Testament scripture. Now he's going to quote from the prophet Isaiah. And he quotes from Isaiah 53 and Isaiah chapter 6, we believe. And look what he says in verse 38. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake. Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now I'm going to stop there. And if we had time, we can open our Bibles to Isaiah 53 verse 1. And Isaiah asked this question. Lord, who's going to believe this? (laughs) <laughs> who will who will believe this message? It's just so unbelievable. It's just so marvelous. And then the prophet, Isaiah 53. If you're familiar at all with Isaiah 53, and the three verses even before that in Isaiah at the end of Isaiah 52 gives a detailed description of the sufferings, the sacrificial sufferings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's like Isaiah saying, (laughs) it's just almost, it's so marvelous. Oh God, who can believe that God will come down here and take upon him a body of flesh and live a sinless life and go and be crucified for hell-deserving sinners like you and me? Will anybody believe it? And here's John, roughly 700 years after Isaiah, and he quotes Isaiah and says, who hath believed the message? Well, by the grace and mercy of God, you and I can say we've believed it, haven't we? And if you haven't, I ask you today, please believe it and trust Christ as your Savior. But notice he said something else there in John 12, verse 38. Not only who hath believed our report, but to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord. I remember when I was in my teens and I first saw this in the Bible. You know what picture came to my mind? The arm and hammer baking soda box. Do they still have that? And I, does it still have the picture of, of that man's big old big old hammer and a man's arm and bicep? It would look about like mine if I took my coat off. <laughs> that's why I keep my coat on, amen. You know? And that's exactly what it's talking about God's power. God's power. As a matter of fact, if we had time. We could In Luke chapter 1, remember Mary sang that beautiful song of worship to God and she said, God, your strong arm has been revealed in putting down the proud and exalting the humble. Jesus came lowly on a donkey, Zachariah said. In Acts chapter 13, in Acts chapter 13, the apostle Paul was preaching and he reminded the Jews how that God reached down and brought them all out of Egypt one day. And he said, it's the high arm of God that's done all that for you. And all through, I love the one in Isaiah 40. It says one day, in Isaiah 40, that great it says one day the arm of God will rule. And one day the arm of God will lead his children as little lambs. Now the picture there, that's the arm of God. The arm of God showing his power and his wisdom. And here John in his day 
is quoting Isaiah, and he said, in our lifetime here in this week, did we see the arm of God? Was the arm of God revealed to anybody? Did anybody believe the message? Now, by the arm of God, John's talking about the miracles that Jesus did. And right there in John 12, verse 37, it said Jesus had done many miracles. Now, we often talk about the eight major miracles that are mentioned in the Gospel of John. He turned the water into wine. He walked on the water. He healed the nobleman's son. He, he, he gave the blind their sight he, and all. And, and, and you know what? This is basically in, in, in the three years of Jesus' ministry. Can you imagine that? Three, only, only three years of public ministry. And we believe the Gospel of John records that Jesus attended three Passover feast in Jerusalem. And this is the third one. And you know the pot's been heating up over these three years, hadn't it? I mean, Jesus' public ministry and things are progressing. And we're careful how we use that word progressing today because it, it has a negative overtone to it. Now, but, but the pot's boiling. And by the time you get to the end of the three years of Jesus' ministry, and this is the third Passover feast, now, folk, listen, some Bible scholars believe there could have been well over a million people in Jerusalem. It's the most crowded. It's kind of like when the Statler brothers used to come to Stanton, you know? And I'm not comparing Jesus to the Statler brothers now, please. All that, with all due respect. But, you know, I mean, there was never a week in the whole year. This was the highlight celebration. Never a week in the whole year when there was as many people in Jerusalem. And you know what happened a few days before? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And it's mentioned, it's mentioned three times here in John chapter 12. It's recorded in John chapter 11. And it's almost out of all the miracles, out of all the miracles that Jesus performed, the crowning one up to this point, now the crowning one is going to be his resurrection, but up to this point, it's got to be the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, folks, listen to me. You know, I, it, in my lifetime, and please don't get mad at me for saying this. If you want to, that's all right, too. I've had people come and say, I know somebody that died during their operation and God brought them back from the dead. Uh, I know somebody. We had a gentleman here one time at, a former state trooper that gave his testimony how they were pushing him down the hallway, uh, had him covered for dead, and his his trooper buddy was with him, and all of a sudden he started moving. He, you know, now you say, Pastor, and and then I've had people, you know, a book. Some guy died, and he he went to uh, he had a vision of hell, and he was dead for forty five minutes and came back. Now I'm going to tell you right up front when you come with me the stories like that, I'm skeptical. Now, I didn't say I don't believe it. But everybody I read about in the Bible, like Paul, we believe, that went to heaven and back, God told him not to say anything about it. Now, I'm not saying, so, now, now, all y'all looking at me like, you mean, well, I know somebody that they pronounced dead and they were dead for a few seconds or a few minutes. Now, and, 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 and you know, my first response is to be a be skeptic. Well, I, I don't know, I, you know, I... You know, that's, you know, only God knows. But now what if we went out to the cemetery today 
And somebody had been dead for four days. Not four seconds, four minutes, or 45 minutes, but four days. And we saw they opened this, I mean, they opened everything up and brought the body out. Now, there'd be no reason for doubt there, amen? I mean, that's pretty plain, isn't it? And, if, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of time here, but if you read the story here in John 11 and 12, even the Pharisees and the enemies of Christ, there's not one speck of information here that they were skeptical. Now, I am, I'm up front. If you came to me today and said, no, Pastor Hall, I appreciate what you said, and I'm not mad at you, but I died on the operating table, and God brought me back. I'm going to say, well, I, 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 I don't know, you know. I'm just being honest with you. Is that okay? But there's not one verse in here that says these Pharisees and all said, well, I, I, you know, did that really happen? But their hearts were so hard. They did everything they could to explain. Matter of fact, it got to the point where they were not only determined to kill Jesus, but kill Lazarus again. Oh, the sinfulness of man's heart. And so what John is saying here, folk, listen. My, how God's revealed his arm to you over in a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. That's the arm of God. Don't you see it? And what about the message? Jesus is teaching. The, the, Jesus is teaching and teaching and teaching. And by the way, you know, Jesus says something here interesting down. Look at verse 44, and this is so important. Look what Jesus says down at the end of this chapter in verse 44. Jesus cried. Now, at, at, at the least there, at the least, it means he raised his voice, doesn't he? He cried out. Now, don't miss this. It's like the preacher. Here's Jesus all during this week, and I don't know what particular day this happened on, but he had been in and out of the temple, in and out of Jerusalem, teaching, maybe with a small group of big, there's multitudes of people. But on this occasion, it's like he hit the pulpit and he said, Folk, don't miss this. He cried and said, He that believeth on me, verse 44, believeth not on me, but him that sent me. He's identifying himself with God the Father. He's equal with God. He's deity. And in verse 45, he said, He that seeth me, seeth the Father, him that sent me. And then in verse 46, he said, I am come a light into the world, into this dark world. I'm come, I'm equal with God, I'm deity. And I'm come as light that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness any longer. And if any man hear my what? My words. Isaiah cried out, God, who hath believed the report? And to whom is the arm of God revealed? Here's John saying, folk, you've seen the arm of God. You've heard the message. And Jesus said, if any man, verse 47, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to what? Save the world. Oh, well, glory to God. It doesn't matter whether I believe or not. Jesus said he's not going to judge me. Better keep it in context. Now, look at the next verse. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word 
the truth that I have spoken, the same shall judge him on that day. Now we'll stop there for lack of time. You know what Jesus is saying? (laughs) He's not giving a loophole. He's saying, I didn't come the first time to be your judge. I came to go to a cross to die for your sins and be buried and rise again. But I'm going to tell you one day, saved or lost, you'll stand before God and I'm going to tell you what you're going to be judged by. This right here. It's God's truth. Amen? It's God's truth. The arm of God has been revealed and the truth of God has been proclaimed. And God's merciful and God's long-suffering. Wow. Now, all this is taking place in John's day, 2,000 years ago. Now, here we are, and we're about to enter another Easter week. Now, all that was my introduction. Now, here's my message. What should my response be? Well, and you can go back and read these verses. First of all, I need to believe. It says, if you read down through there, it says that many believe, because of the miracle of Lazarus being resurrected, because of this miracle, because of this and that, many believe, many. And and even some of the Pharisees believed, and yet they they, they loved the praise of God more than the praise of men, and they, they became secret disciples. But thank God, through God's mercy and grace, many believed, and yet in spite of all the miracles, many did not believe. Is that not still true today? And many believe with just a head knowledge. It's not really a heart. Oh, they acknowledge, they mentally acknowledge that there was a Jesus and all this, but they don't believe in the sense that they repent of their sin and trust Christ as their Savior. It's all a mental assent, but it's the hearts. They don't really come with a repentant heart and get saved. And only God knows the difference sometimes. I'm sure not smart enough to know the difference. And some don't believe at all. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. So first of all, if you're here today and you're not saved, you need to believe, amen. You just need to come with a repentant heart and trust Christ as your Savior. If not, you'll stand before God one day and the truth of God's Word will be the standard by which you are judged, amen. And you'll be cast into an eternal hell, separated from God forever and ever. Now as a believer, you know what I need to do as I enter this week? I need to keep on believing God and trusting God, darling. And I need for God to increase my faith. Maybe, maybe in my life, God wants to reveal his arm. You know, down in John chapter 12, have y'all got a couple more minutes? In John chapter 12, beginning with verse 20, there were some Greeks that are Gentiles. Now these are non-Jews. Aren't you glad the gospel is not just for the Jews? But I'm glad it is for the Jews. And if John Hagee or anybody else tells you that a Jew can't be saved today, or they're not saved by the same gospel, don't you believe it. I don't care whether it's John Hagee, Frank Call, or whoever. We're all saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jew or Gentile. But I'm glad it's for the Gentiles. Amen? And these Greeks come and they say, we would see Jesus. Now this really happened. They said, we'd like to see Jesus. Now you know what? They, they weren't saying, well, we'd like to get a glimpse of him. Man, there's thousands and thousands. Of, man, people are, are, I'll start to say bumper to bumper, elbow to elbow here. But we, you know what they meant? We'd like to understand Jesus a little bit more. We'd like to get to know him a little better. 
And, and, and if you read it, it's like they just persisted. They kept on asking Philip, could you get us an interview? We'd like to get to know Jesus. But wow, glory to God. Wouldn't it be wonderful this week if I could get to know Jesus a little better? Wouldn't it? Would you say, would you say if you and I could, could, could comprehend or understand something about Jesus a little more this week, that that would be the arm of God being revealed? Wouldn't that be great? So not only do the unsaved need to believe, I need to believe. I need my faith strengthened. I'd like to see Jesus in a new and a fresh way. A second thing we can do is worship him. Not only believe, but we... The story here in the first part of John 12 is Mary. Here they are having a meal, and they're celebrating and thanking Jesus for Lazarus being resurrected. Mary comes in. She takes that, that box of ointment, and anoints the head, if you put all four Gospels, anoints the head and the feet of Jesus. And it says the aroma filled the house. Now you ladies have little bottles of perfume at your house, don't you? And you can take one drop of it and put it on. And, and, And after a while you can smell it all over the whole room, can't you? What if you had a pound of it? That midnight magic? What if you had a pound of it? And you poured it all out. While the neighbors a mile away would be saying, Woo! What what in the world? Now, folks, that's exactly what he said. But you know what? You know what it's a picture of? Oh, how, how precious it was in the sight of God that there was a hell deserving sinner. Worshiping, worshiping at the feet of Jesus. You know, sometimes life stinks, doesn't it? It really does, as we say. And I found out in my life that when everything's okay between me and Jesus, it sure makes a different aroma in my heart, in my marriage, in the home, in church. I can come to church with a bad attitude. At work. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful this, this Easter week if, if God could just help me to make sure everything's okay with Jesus and everywhere I go, it just kind of brightens up the place. It makes life a little sweeter, maybe a little comfort. You know, maybe the... Well, at McDonald's doesn't put enough sugar in my coffee, and I want to get, and I just say, that's all right. I, if I have to drink my coffee with a little less sugar in it than I like, it's no, you know. I, I don't have to bite the guy's head off and say, goodness, don't you have sense enough to know what five sugars are? How I many? You only put three. I told you five, you put three in, you know. I told you three creams, four sugars, and you put four creams and three sugars. My, what's wrong with you? You know? I mean, you don't say it, but you think it, don't you? You know? Maybe God could, how can I respond? I'm trying to say, you know, I can respond in believing. I can respond in worshiping. I can respond by being a witness. It says many of those that actually saw the resurrection of Lazarus took place. Let me show you another verse real quick. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. God spoke to my heart through this verse in verse 11. Because that by reason of him, that's Lazarus, Many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. 
Because of Lazarus, many went away. That I mean, you know what? They, they left their they left their Judaism. They left their religion. They turned it all behind and they ran to Jesus. Jesus said, "Come unto me." Now you say, "Well, sure, because of Lazarus." So you know what? If you're saved today, God raised you from the dead. Now I hope this is not in a selfish way, but wouldn't it be nice if one day Jesus could say that about you and me? Because of him, the life he lived by the grace of God, the gospel he shared, the prayers he prayed, the tracts he gave out. Because of her, many people, many people heard the gospel and came to Jesus. Would you like for God to say that about you? I would. I would. Is that what he meant when he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Now, it's wonderful to read about John and his Easter week. What about you and me and our Easter week? How do we respond? Well, by believing, by worshiping, by witnessing. And I'm going to close with this, by serving. Look what Jesus said in verse 4, Jesus, verse 24, John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, I know he's talking about his going to the cross there. And he's dying for us. But now look at the next verse. Look at verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. The earthly in contrast with the eternal. Now notice he said in this world. Here's the religious leaders. The political leaders. And you know what they say? We got to get rid of this Jesus, and we got get and we got to get rid of Lazarus. And I tell you what, you get on fire for God like Lazarus, and you know what the world of two thousand and nineteen will say: We got to get rid of Jesus. Now you can talk about any religious leader that man knows about, but you mention the name Jesus. What is it? And this world doesn't give a rip how much you claim to be a child of God as long as you keep it inside the church. and inside. But you get out here in the marketplace and start proclaiming the truth and this world wants to get rid of you. They want to shut you up. Things haven't changed a bit, folks. Things haven't changed a bit. And here's Judas. Remember Judas? Here's a poor woman worshiping at the feet of Jesus and Judas. And if you read all the Gospels, he got all the other disciples stirred up too. You know, you can be a negative influence. What a waste! What a waste! What a waste! Why, this could have been sold and given to the poor. Jesus said, you'll have plenty of poor people to take care of. You're not always going to have me down here in a body. She's picturing my death and burial. You know, a lot of people are trying to get to heaven by helping the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. That's not going to get you to heaven. Now, that's a good way to show your love and, 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 and follow Christ. They miss Jesus and they think they get to heaven by doing good. It doesn't work that way. So this world system is made up of Judases and Pharisees and political systems and all that. And Jesus says, if you want to lose your life and waste it, just follow the world. 
But if you want your life to count for now and eternity, live it for Jesus. Serve me. Follow me. And follow the principles of God's Word. Now, this it's easy to read about John and his Easter week. Well, what about my Easter week? Well, I'd like to learn to trust God a little more. See Jesus a little better. Worship Him. Maybe like I've never worshipped Him before. Be a witness for Him. Have more boldness to speak up. But speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And just see the arm of God move in our lives just like it did 2,000 years ago, just like it's moved since the beginning of human history. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Let's not enter another Easter week and let it just be... You know, can I close this way? Thousands and thousands of people came to Jerusalem to get involved in a religious festivity. And yet, the majority of them went back home and missed what it was really all about. This coming week, and and, and please, I'm not trying to be critical. Think of all the special services that will take place. Passion play, sunrise services, Good Friday services. There will be more religious festivities under the umbrella of Christianity taking place in America and around the world this week than any other week during the year. And how many of them will miss, really miss, what it's all about? They'll miss Jesus. Let's make sure that doesn't happen to you and me. Boy, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus. Trust Him as your Savior. And let's let God this Easter week get a hold of our hearts and just do something for us. Make us stronger, draw us closer. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across this morning? Would you stand with me, please, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed? Father, thank You for the truth of Your Word. God, I think every one of us, as we look back through our lives, we can say, Lord, we, we've seen the arm of the Lord move. Oh, God, how you've proven yourself. And we've heard the report. And God, give us faith to believe it. And God, that's what we want to see. We don't want to just play Christianity and go through our ceremonies and rituals. But God, we really want you to do something in our hearts and lives in our homes and marriages and the lives of our children, our young people and our grandchildren. And so God, this Easter week, Lord, we just pray that you'll just do something in our hearts and lives and use us, God, for your honor and glory. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask the pianist to play just a verse or two. You've been very patient. And I appreciate that. If you're here today and you're not a born-again Christian, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never with a repentant heart asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, would you come to Jesus today? Now listen, one day you're going to be judged. And you're going to be judged by the Word of God. Come to Jesus. Can we help you with that? Can one of our men or one of our ladies pray with you, help you get that settled? While we're waiting for one that might need to be saved, would each one of us today say, Lord, where am I in my Christian life? Help me to hunger and thirst. God, I just want you to fill me with your spirit. 
I want you to I want to see you do something in my Lord, we would see Jesus. We would see more of Jesus. Be more like Jesus. Serve Jesus. Tell the world about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, isn't it, folks? It's all about Jesus. We really would love to see more of Jesus this Easter week. If we can help you, would you come right now? I'm going to ask the pianist to finish this verse, and that'll be all. Father, we thank you today for your love, mercy, and grace, and long-suffering. And God, may the Holy Spirit use your word today to challenge our hearts and comfort our hearts and strengthen us and take us and use us for your honor and glory. May we see more of Jesus this coming week. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In his glorious name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.